Hey, Jen Springer of LikesToLeads.com, and welcome to another episode of the Likes to Leads podcast. So, you know, the last couple of weeks, I have been directed in other places, and I have not been able to schedule in recording another podcast. And so I hate to use the word, and I don't use the word because I really despise it, um, busy. I think that people use the word busy as an excuse not to do the things that they know they need to do. So in other ways, I'm going to reframe it as, you know, I look at my day and I look at my week and my month and what I need to get done and what order I need to get things completed in. And there are priorities that come over others when it is like, where do I need to give my best? Where do I need to be consistent? And what I have been really focused on, because it's really not about but busy. I, I, like I said, I, I, people use that word busy as an excuse, as, as a way not to do something. I really don't use the word busy. But what I will say is I've been directing my energy and my focus towards things that I feel are definitely a priority that people see value. And so what I've been focusing my energy and attention on, no offense to anybody listening to the podcast, and you should be over here as well, is in our Facebook group, the, or community. I like to, I'd rather call it that because group is just so sterile and icky. Um, the, the name of the, the community is Facebook ads for MLM leaders. And over there, I do a training every week and I've been really, really um, focused on creating good content there every week. I've also been helping some friends with their Facebook ads and firing that up and really dialing that in and scaling that. So my energy and attention have been focused over in that area. And I've been, you know, thinking about this podcast and what topics I want to go on here. Because this podcast, I really enjoy sharing with you perspectives and things that are going to help you in your business overall, maybe from a bird's eye perspective versus a tactical how to do this or how to do that kind of thing. That's what the weekly training, which I do every Wednesday morning in the Facebook ads community, the MLM leaders one, I do that type of training. <laughs> it's like tactical step one, step two, step three, blah, blah, blah is what I do over there. This I want to be more about concepts and things that will make a difference in your business from that type of uh, perspective that things that I've gleaned over the years, you know, I've been in this industry of network marketing since 2001. I have built a team that has generated millions of dollars a year in volume and residual six figure income. And I'm not saying that to be like, Oh yeah, I'm just all the bees knees, but I could tell you I've got some experience and a lot of people will blah, 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 and mentor people and call themselves a coach when they don't have the experience. And this, this is one of those things that bugs me. And uh, also being a coach with, you know, network marketers from many different companies with Facebook ads, you know, I've been doing that since 2016. You know, I get perspectives that I think are valuable. 
and trends that I see of what people are, you know, succeeding with or struggling with or overall. And very often we think what we're struggling with in our own companies, in our own life, in our own businesses is exclusive to ourselves. Oh, Jen, you don't understand. This is our company or you don't understand my situation. Well, I'm going to tell you, no offense, it's not that unique. In general, I after coaching thousands of people, um, there are, and over the years, it's including that, um, we all have the same issues. And one thing I want to talk about today that I feel very, very passionate about is it was coined during a conversation I had with somebody who was going to be working with me and doing a job that is not the most glorious thing in the world. And I said to him, I said, you know, when we run our own business and we're an entrepreneur, we've got to learn to embrace the suck because it is the suck that leads to greater things, greater expansion, greater skills, more income, hiring employees, buying that summer home, driving that fancy car, paying off debt, sending your kid to an Ivy League school, taking that bucket list trip to Rome, Italy, and, you know, going and seeing the Vatican, like whatever you want, you have to learn how to embrace the suck. And the more you scale, the more you earn, the more your team grows, the more your business grows as you expand, even if you don't have a network marketing business and you, you own another type of business and you're expanding that, or you're buying franchises or you're a real estate investor, the greater the stakes and not like, I'm not talking about porterhouse here. Um, the greater the stakes, the more suck you're going to have in your business. The more suck you have, the greater your expansion and the greater your achievement. And so what do I mean by suck? <laughs> suck is stress. It's everyday problems. It's the issue that someone didn't pay you for that rent that you own on that real estate piece of property and they're in arrears by four months. The suck is when your team is growing like crazy and the biggest leg leaves to join another company. The suck is you putting out a lot of money for Facebook ads and you don't get a return right away because something happened in the market. The suck is when you buy $10,000 of crypto and it drops overnight and it's worth $2,000. The suck is when you hire somebody to help you and they take your proprietary information and call it their own and are now selling their own courses. So the suck is everyday stuff that happens that keeps us busy, distracted, and stressed out. But the problem is people let that level of suck stress them out to the point where it controls their life and they can't expand anymore. And so I'm going to tell you a story about my dad. 
And my dad, you know, when he retired and, you know, he passed away about six, oh my gosh, almost seven years ago. And, you know, he retired with, you know, a couple million in the bank and he worked his ass off his whole life. And he was an executive um, when he retired and he had been an executive for some time. So, you know, he was earning a good income. Well, my dad was not a risk taker. He was not the kind of person who could handle the stress and the decision-making and being self-directed in his own business. He, my dad was the ultimate second in command when it came to everyday decisions and, you know, the, the plumbing failed and the toilets overflowing and we didn't have enough money to pay our taxes. And so now we need to defer them or file for an extension. And one of our employees stole all of our passwords and, you know, the everyday suck. My dad couldn't handle that. I'm just, nothing against my dad. My dad was the guy that was great as the second in command to that first in command person, you know, tell him what to do. He will do it and he will do it amazing. So last summer, so just mind you, just think about that. But last summer, Monty and I, we moved to Lake Geneva, Wisconsin from Minnesota. And I'm from the Chicagoland area. And I grew up in coming up here into Lake Geneva all the time. And Lake Geneva is kind of like the Northern Illinois, Chicagoland getaway, uh, weekend getaway place. It's where this area is full of multi-million dollar homes on the lake and they're second homes. Okay. Very few uh, people are here year round that live directly on the lake. And yes, they do. But most of the time it's second homes. Minimal, a tiny house on the lake is $2 million. Okay. Not like most of them are 10 million plus, you know, really like it's, we had one last year sell for 39 million. So this is where you go out to the lake and everybody's on their big lake boats and their wood boats and their fancy schmancy pontoons and all that good stuff. So this is a play, play a play place for people from Chicagoland. And so Monty and I were walking around the lake and there's this path that walks, like it's called the Lakeshore Path. And you can walk around the entire lake in front of people's properties, literally like you're walking through their yard. And it's amazing. Like you want to get inspired, you walk around the lake and you get to see these gorgeous, incredible homes. And when I walk by these homes, I, I always think, what does that person do for a living? And what does that person do for a living? And did they make themselves, are they self-made or are they, did they inherit the money to buy this property or did they inherit the property or, you know, these things go through my mind as I'm walking by these homes. And then we, we walked by this one home and it was like this, like you knew you were going somewhere special. You're walking and all of a sudden the path becomes paved in stone. And then you're diverted through a little forest and you walk over a beautiful, well-kept bridge with a creek running under it. And then all of a sudden this field of grass opens and you see this wood-sided, cedar-sided property 
this beautiful red brown wood you know it looks like a like a um i guess you'd say um i'm looking for the right word um kind of like uh a log cabin but it's not log you know it it's it it looks like a a home that you would find way up north in wisconsin or in the mountains you know it was it's just stunning. And it looks like a hotel. <laughs> it looks almost like a resort. And I call it the resort, by the way. And I, it's just awesome. Like it's just manicured to the nines, you know, a full staff that takes care of the property every week. They're weeding and pruning and all the things you could tell. I mean, it is really taken care of. They have a pool house, like a P-O-O-L with like, here's the lake right in front of them and they got a pool house. And so we're walking by and I'm just taken back. And I think to myself, wow, who are those people? And, and I'm, I'm like, what do they do? How were they able to acquire this property or build it? And I'm, I'm assuming they built it. That was my assumption. And I just got that vibe. And, you know, instead of them walking you in front of their property, you know, on the lake path, they divert you kind of around the path, around the, the lake. I mean, I'm sorry, around their property, you know, kind of through the front yard instead of the backyard right by the lake. But you you get to see everything, you know, from the front. It's just incredible. So we, we did our little walk and I was totally inspired, you know, you know, not to, you know, how to think bigger and not to think small after doing this walk, looking at these million dollar plus properties. And this one I knew was special. So, you know, we get home and I'm like, who owns that property? So the good stalker that I am, um, I looked up on the county map who owns the property. And so I went and um, looked at the owner and then I, I searched the owner online and it came to be that that owner was one of the largest franchise owners for McDonald's. And that property was in trust and the family, the gentleman and the wife, you know, they were older couple. I don't know if he's still with us or if he's passed on or not. But obviously when we had walked through there, there were grandchildren, there were, you know, teenagers there. So it must have been grandchildren and, and such. So this is a family estate. And so I did a little research and found this person was like one of the icons of McDonald's. And he taught at McDonald's University here and was a Naperville or something like that, Illinois and whatever. And so I thought to myself, this gentleman came, I think, from Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. I, he was either an accountant or an attorney. I'm pretty sure an accountant. Don't quote me on that. If you know the family, then you would know. But it's like he was some type of educated professional. And he had, he was, you know, of that nature where he'd be, you know, very good at looking at numbers and looking at things. And, you know, he was very, um, uh, how do you want to say, he had his poop in a group. <laughs> but then again, what happened was this. Now let's bring back my dad. So my dad in the 1960s was invited to a business opportunity meeting. And my dad listened to the meeting. This was a meeting where they were recruiting young men with families and, you know, that type of age group, you know, early thirties, mid thirties. And my dad sat through this meeting 
And when the meeting of this business opportunity was over, my dad walked up to the presenter and said, so it's 10 grand to get in on this business. What's my guaranteed ROI? And the speaker was like, looking at him like, what do you mean our guaranteed ROI? This is a business. It's an entrepreneurial opportunity, ground floor. There's no guarantee. Well, that $10,000 was to, was the franchise fee for McDonald's back in the sixties when that was first happening. Cause we're from Chicagoland, right? And Desplaines is where that first McDonald's was. And we lived right there <laughs> in that spot, you know, and not in Desplaines, but we were in Park Ridge. And uh, I think he had maybe even gone to that business opportunity meeting before they even moved to Park Ridge. And so my dad told him to shove his 10 grand up his butt because he couldn't guarantee an ROI. So my dad walked away and went back to his job as an electrical engineer in his safe little job where he didn't need to embrace the suck more than just coming to work and getting there on time and making sure his coffee was hot in the morning. And, you know, I don't even think he was a manager at the time. So he was just punching in, punching out, guaranteed check every week. Well, there was another gentleman who was from Fond du Lac who might have even sat in on the same meeting as my father. And he said yes to the 10,000. And he, my dad and this gentleman are probably the same age almost. And that gentleman took a different course in his life. He said yes. And he was on the ground floor of McDonald's. And there was a lot of suck to deal with. McDonald's was not a household name. They, To be perfectly honest, I mean, McDonald's burgers aren't even the best burgers in the world. There's burgers that are better. But here was an idea for this McDonald's, right? It was an idea and it was getting going and it wasn't proven. But it was an opportunity to be in on something special. And this gentleman risked his life savings, I'm sure, his family, security and all that, and said yes to this opportunity, which could be unlimited in possibility, but no guarantees. So I think about this gentleman and what he, risk he took on McDonald's and how much suck there had to have been as that business grew and scaled and management changed at the corporate finance, uh, franchise owners, you know, like, like on and on and on. And as McDonald's grew over the decades, this gentleman is considered a pillar of the McDonald's community. And like I said, I don't know if he's here still with us or if he's passed away, but he, I believe um, their family owns 69 McDonald's franchises. And I think about my dad who wanted a guaranteed ROI and wanted you know, that to be the same type of return and guarantee as a job. And here's this other gentleman, same opportunity, same, um, maybe even the same meeting. They could have sat next to each other. My dad left, told the guy to shove it up his butt. And my dad retired with, you know, a million or so dollars. And then the other gentleman said yes to the suck. And to the uncertainty of where his business would ever go. Maybe McDonald's would fold. It was new, right? 
and how much stress and risk and uncertainty and all the things that happened over the decades to the point of where they accumulated 69 franchises and becoming a pillar leader within the McDonald's community and owning the resort. I call it the resort. I don't know what it is. <laughs> he actually owns part of a resort locally or the family used to, I don't know if that's still there, but they, at some point, at one point they did own a resort in this area, but I called the house I see on the lake, the resort, because it looks like one. It's just so beautiful. And that gentleman sat in the same opportunity meeting as my father. And his home alone is 20 times more worth more money than my father's retirement as a whole. So my point in saying is the gentleman that said yes has dealt with a lot of suck a lot of ability, you know, to, to a lot of excuses that he could have limited himself to growth and opportunity to get him to the point of where they were. I mean, like they've got to be worth just millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars, like a lot, <laughs> tens of millions, I would imagine. So my question is to you is what is your capacity of dealing with suck? Because the more capacity we have, the greater we are going to be given. It's like the, the saying goes, God only gives you so much as you, as you can handle. Well, the same is with your business. If you get upset over a mean text or if somebody leaves your team to go to another company or some, you know, like your car ran out of gas on the highway and you're having a nuclear meltdown and it consumes your day, how are you going to handle a massive business? because you're only given what you can handle. And I think about my dad versus the, the guy that owned the 69 franchises at McDonald's. My dad did not have a massive cap cap uh, capacity to handle the suck, you know, the risk, the fear, the, you know, and the other gentleman took it and looked at it as possibility and ran with that and look at the difference of how these two men, their lives came out. So the question is, you know, how are you going to handle running a million dollar team if you have a, your whole day ruined by some bozo commenting on your Facebook group post? So, you know, you've got to lean into the suck, just like, you know, when you when I mean by suck, it's the different pains that we see in our business and in our life. And it's just like when you get a massage and they hit that trigger point and it hurts, but it's so good. You know, it's going to fix the problem, but you lean into that pain in getting that massage. You're like, oh God, it hurts so good. It's the same thing that we have to do in our business that when we're faced with adversity or uncertainty and we are faced with daily stress and expansion, your, ca your capacity to handle that will determine how much success you have. And there is a lot of suck when you build your business, any business, there is suck. There's, there's suck when you are raising a family, there's suck when you have children, there's suck when you get married, like the, that uncomfortable, painful, stressful stuff in our life, what gets to us and affects us at our core is what will limit us in our growth and capacity. And 
I think about, for example, my own situation where, you know, I run between 15 and $20,000 a month in my Facebook ads to run, you know, my, my, my campaigns. And some months you have a crappy month and you have the ability to not maybe pay it all off one month. And so I might have, you know, the current month on there and a little bit from the previous month, I might have 25 or $30,000 of credit card debt from advertising in a month, depending on when the cycle is. And if, you know, that I've had to reframe that and not let it stress me out. It's part of doing business and it's unemotional. But it used to really drive me crazy. Like it used to really stress me out. And and what I think about is if I'm stressing out over that $30,000 of advertising budget, how am I going to handle millions of dollars of maybe leveraged real estate for a property to expand my company in? Or what if I had 500 employees or what if my co- I was taking my company public and expanding? And I think about the stress of that and the capacity to deal with that level of suck versus my little $30,000 of credit card debt it compared to what it would be like and the demand and the stress and, and what it would take within me would I fold under the pressure if I say got to the point where my company was like Apple and went public, like Steve Jobs, right? He folded at one point, had to leave Apple, (laughs) right? You know, is it going to make you crack or are you going to step into the leadership when you get to that level of stuck? You know, when you can't handle the, the, the level of suck that you're at, you will flatline and hit a ceiling, until you can, you you have the capacity to handle more without letting it tear you apart and spit you out. So obviously, the gentleman going back to the McDonald's franchisee could he really had that capacity to hold that level of stress and management. He 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 could handle that. And I don't know the gentleman; he's probably not perfect. Nobody is, but my father couldn't. You look at Steve Jobs and what they did with Apple, or you look at any billionaire and what does it take to be Richard Branson, 400 companies. If you can't run one company, how are you going to run five? How are you going to run 400? He has a capacity to handle the suck and he has an enjoyable life, even though he is a, a you know, a mogul running all of this stuff. He doesn't say, I'm sorry, I'm too busy to go, you know, on a hot air balloon ride to have some fun. He has to be able to balance the suck. So when I, next time I go to the lake, when the summer season will be here and I'll see them out on their boats and I walk by, you know, on the lakeshore path and I see the boats and I see the homes. When I see somebody in a million dollar boat, and they are on my lake, and I see a $10 million house, I look at them and I think, that person has the ability to handle the suck. Everybody looks at these people from the surface. You look at the leaders at the top of your company, and you see them walk across the stage. You see them teaching. You see them mentoring their team and having the leadership dinners and all that. But what you don't see is the suck that they deal with every day that could either limit them 
or allow them for growth in their business. And I'm telling you from my perspective, you know, if I tell you earlier that my advertising bill is 30,000 a month, and if that just made you almost want to vomit, then it's something you got to work on, right? <laughs> At one point, it was something I needed to work on. I thought about running $100 a day, which is only 3,000 a month, and that made me want to vomit. But as I've grown, my capacity has grown. My level of dealing with the everyday suck has changed. And I am so much different than I was five years ago. I'm different than I was three months ago. Because as we expand and we grow, we have more capacity to deal with the hard things that are going to allow us to expand our teams and our businesses and our life. So yeah, this was a philosophical kind of talk today, but I really want you to step back and think about what sucks in your life and how can you work on that so you can handle more suck and not let it tear you apart and spit you out. Because as you can expand and handle more, you will be able to handle more, if that makes sense. So thanks for listening. Again, this is Jen Springer of likesdeletes.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast, share it with others. I know, I know that there are people that need to hear this because there is no direct way right to the top. And sometimes we got to deal with hard things. I hope this helps prepare you and your team for the days you want to quit. Just think of it as I got to learn how to embrace the suck and enjoy those tough days because they are part of your journey. And if you allow them to, they will let you handle more and you'll have more capacity to grow more in every way. So we'll catch you guys next time. Take care.